Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Seth Kaplan is made possible with the support of Hotel Connections, the global leader in crew logistics and accommodations. Hotelconnections.com. Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com slash airlines. Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. SeaburyCapital.com and the Boyd International Aviation Forecast Summit this October in Cincinnati. Visit AirlinesConfidential.com to attend at a reduced rate. We also welcome your business's support. Info at AirlinesConfidential.com. You know what? I just realized that I forgot to come up with an insult for Ben to start the show. And it can't be that there's nothing more to insult him about. I know that's not the problem. I'll do better next week. He's Ben Baldanza, former CEO of Spirit Airlines, who now teaches about how airlines work. Well, rather than my insult, I want to say that we're at one of these every four year times that I really like. And I'm, I'm not talking about leap year or the Olympics or even the World Cup. I'm talking about a U.S. presidential election. And what I like about this time is that there's this couple week period where the two big parties have these big conventions and have all these people talk. What I love about it is I think it's all rubbish. So I have lots more time than I usually have. And I'm wondering <laughs> if my co-host feels the same way about it or is he stressed for time during this period or does he, like me, find he's got all this time? And of course, I... I'm talking about Seth Kapp and NPR's <laughs> here now transportation analyst. You know, there are certain things that are important, but that I just can't, yeah, do the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I try, uh, but yeah, this year especially, obviously, is very different. Right, more time just to talk about airlines. And maybe for, for you listening to uh, to listen to us blab about airlines instead of people blabbing about the other things they're blabbing about these days. <laughs> well, pushing back from the gate, this is Airlines Confidential, the show where we share the secrets of the airline industry and debate all the crazy things that happen in the airline world each week. Today, the new real numbers of job losses coming are smaller than the old theoretical numbers of job losses, but in some cases are worse because, well, they're real. Yeah, and listeners and other media gang up on Seth and me, but especially on me. Do they have a point? First, though, let's prepare for takeoff with the week's news. Always have a point when they're ganging up on you, Ben. <laughs> And they criticize me, it's a different story. Well, back in July, U.S. Airlines warned employees of big potential furloughs come October. It's literally called a WARN notice. WARN, W-A-R-N, is an acronym for the process. They have a workforce reduction notices, any big company in America. Well, some of the numbers were huge, but we also emphasized back then that they were worst-case scenarios because the airlines, like any big company, have to warn anybody who might be affected, even if they're not ultimately affected. So, so the number can be bigger than what it ultimately is. It can't be smaller. So, for example, United, we told you, warned a staggering 36,000 employees. It didn't mean they'd all be unemployed come October 1st. Well, now we're starting to get some real numbers. And although they are somewhat smaller, they're also in some ways more staggering because, well, they are real. They're real people in some cases who have been with airlines for many years. These are not the most junior employees when you have numbers like these. These people who won't be working a month from now unless something changes. American said its real number of job losses as of now is 19,000. And don't forget, that's 19,000 involuntary job losses come October 1st on top of 12,000 who agreed to leave 
voluntarily, permanently, right? People who really weren't planning to, to retire yet, but thought that was their better option where they were going to get more that way than if it was involuntary. Another 11,000 who opted to leave voluntarily on a temporary basis. When it's all said and done, American Airlines will have 40,000 fewer employees come October. I mean, that's like close to half its workforce. And I'm sure in the coming days, we'll hear similar numbers from United and, and others. That's just the one we've heard so far. Ben, all of this just on a scale we've never seen before in the industry. Staggering numbers, Seth. Absolutely staggering. One of the one of the economic realities of airlines in the world is they represent, at least pre-COVID, they represented about 8% of global GDP. That's a huge number when you think about it. I mean, a single industry, you know, clo- that, that large in terms of the economic impact. And a lot of that economic impact is because they employ so many people. Yeah. And those people eat at restaurants and they get their hair done and they get their dry cleaning done and they buy cars that need to be fixed and use gas and all kinds of things, right? And so when you talk about the industry restructuring to where it needs half the number of people in the American case, and then you multiply that times United and Delta and everybody else, um, you realize that the economic impact of the industry is just getting a lot smaller. Not only are fewer people flying, but the impact down the line on all the things it affects are smaller. And that has huge effects, which is why I'm a broken record in saying that the economy can't come back fully until airlines come back fully. And that means can employ all those people too. I think it's great that airlines broadly have done a good job at getting talking to people and talking to them about realities of the situation, offering, you know, not not awesome money, but good incentives to say, look, if you're willing to step back for a little time or maybe think about retiring permanently from this career, we can make it worth your while a little bit, you know, right now. And that might be better than learning later. We have to just involuntarily let you go. And the industry has been pretty good about doing that. It does put an airline like Southwest in real tough position, I think. They've publicly stated to their employees into the world that they don't want to let anybody go before the end of this year. So if there is no new CARES Act, meaning if the government decides not to re-up the money that has been paying for all these employees beyond um, the end of September, then Americans going to let a lot of people go. Other airlines are going to let a lot of people go. But will Southwest keep those employees on for another three months at their own expense, uh, which is what they told everyone they would do? It'd be kind of hard for them not to do that. But then are yeah. they going to have a big furlough in January? That seems kind of odd, too. So I just think this is crazy. And, you know, right now, Congress is on a recess, which is just amazing to me that with all these things going on, the people for whom we as taxpayers pay their salary decide just to go home and not do their jobs right now. It's just amazing to me. But this is an airline podcast, not a political podcast, so I won't say <laughs> any more about that. But the point is they're not even there talking about it right now. But they will get back to talk about it before the end of September. And I think there's a big question as to whether or not they scramble and actually do get something to keep this employment up in the weeks before you know this big presidential election that I just talked about earlier. Yeah, you mentioned United American, huge numbers, Southwest uh, committing not to f- – involuntarily 
let anybody go until the end of uh, the year, at least. Delta, kind of somewhere in the middle, it, it offered a very generous early out. It got a lot of people to take it. But in terms of just its pilots, which in Delta's case, that's its major unionized group, 2,000 or so agreed to retire early, but it says it's going to have to furlough uh, close to 2,000 come October 1st. Uh, got a lot of response to what it was looking for, but not enough. You made a point, Ben, that I think is worth emphasizing because it, it, it's it's well, maybe not unique to the airline industry, but it's particular to the airline industry, how labor intensive this industry is. So when you hear those numbers, American you know, 19,000 on top of all the voluntary outs and, and everything else that's going to be coming. Uh, you might think, well, that's probably going on at all kinds of companies. But in terms of the raw numbers, in most cases, it's not because other companies, other industries just aren't as labor intensive. It just doesn't take as many people to provide the product. So when you read that, you know, Uber is laying off a few a quarter of its workforce and Lyft and all these other companies, those are obviously painful job losses for the people involved. But that's not nearly as many people. I mean, last time I checked, you know, Google had fewer employees, the parent now of Google Alphabet, fewer employees than American Airlines. I don't have to verify if that's still true. Even though Google, in terms of the revenue it produces, is a much larger company. Uh, so it just takes fewer employees to provide more, at least more service in, the, in terms of the revenue that it generates. And so that's something that's rather particular to the airline industry. It is a giant employer, not just sort of uh, in a vacuum, but truly compared to most other industries. Well, that's right, Seth. And if you want to sort of talk about how nicely efficient Google is, not only is, are they efficient on an employee side, but they also can do their job and change the world in the way they do without having to go out and buy 50 and $200 million assets that like airplanes yeah. and um, airlines have to do that. And they buy them from companies who also have lots of employees. Sure. So when American airlines and the whole industry can't fly as much and have to lay off a lot of their people, they also have fewer airplanes. So Boeing and Airbus and those companies need fewer people. And all the suppliers, the people who make the tires and the gauges and the and the Spirit Aerosystems makes the like, airframes. Companies most Americans have never heard of that employ huge numbers of people. No, that's right. And and they all they all lose employment when airlines go. And that's that multiplicative effect of the industry. That's why the airline industry represented, represents or represented that 8% of global GDP because it's not just the airlines themselves, but the businesses that are necessary to make the airlines work, like the manufacturers, like the catering companies, like the maintenance companies and things like that. And all of that, when airlines don't fly, are all going to have job losses on top, top of that, which is why if you're the party in power or the party that wants to be in power, your position on what am I doing about that employment is really important. And that may mean that you want to give money to keep people employed or you want to not give money to let people go to make a point. Either way, the, the politics and the people in power can't avoid 
what's happening in the airline industry now, which is why when they do get back, they are going to talk about this. It doesn't mean that they're going to make a new deal, but they're going to make a decision one way or the other with the consequence being either people subsidized, employees subsidized for a longer period of time or big layoffs. I know you said you didn't want to talk about politics. Without asking your position, though, on the issue, just from an analytical standpoint, there was a point when the parties seemed to be at least coming a little bit closer together. And then President Trump issued those executive orders, ostensibly to help. I'm wondering, though, if when he did that, and the big one, for example, was extending unemployment benefits. Uh, They're not as generous as they were, but... uh, a lot of the people who are eligible for enhanced benefits are still getting something extra rather than nothing. What I'm wondering, Ben, is if that uh, conversely took the pressure off the congressional negotiators to get a broader deal that that he did that he sort of did just enough that now that's why we're in this position. Whereas if he had done nothing, they would have felt the pressure to solve the unemployment issue and in the course of doing that also solve these broader issues and, and, you know, address airline aid, which right or wrong, no matter how he feels about it, there clearly was support from on, on both sides of the aisle. That's a great point, Seth. And I guess I'm just not a smart enough political pundit to, to know whether that move helped or hurt things. Um, there's just so much politics here and yet it's people's lives we're talking about and it's businesses and it's families and things like that. And it's unfortunate to have all these things wrapped up in this, I think. Um, I, will, I will say that I do support a re-up of the CARES Act as it relates to airline employment. And the reason I do is we have been hearing somewhat positive notes around whether a vaccine might be on the brink soon, this new plasma treatment might be helpful for people who are known to contract the virus. There was a study in the New York Times saying maybe herd immunity is reached much sooner than we thought before. All of those things suggest that it's possible. And I'm not saying that I'm betting on this or that it's likely, but it's certainly possible that the world may feel better about how to live with this virus relatively soon, meaning by first or second quarter of next year. And if that's the case, what you would love to have is for airlines around the world to be able to put all their planes back in the air relatively quickly and really juice that economy coming back. And if they're all laid off and they're not being kept current on their airplane, then you got to find them again. You got to get them out of their old job and see if they want to come back. Some of them won't. You got to retrain them and it's going to take months and months and months to get those economies and those airlines back, which is going to delay the economic recovery. So if you think there's any chance that the that the economy could recover by in the first quarter of 2021, then keep the employees there and keep that car idling in the garage and get it ready to go so we can get this economy going. If you really think that it's going to be years and years away before that economic recovery happens, then it probably doesn't matter. I don't know. Do you think that makes sense, Seth? Yeah. Look, the the other side is people say, well, if the demand's going to come back, then these people are being furloughed. They can be recalled and just 
you know, let it happen that way. So, so you can understand why people and, and, and you know, and people who say, look, all those other employees we talked about it, that Boeing and all of its subcontractors, everybody, they're not directly protected by the CARES Act. So that's the other side of it. Uh, even though uh, obviously the argument is that, well, the airlines are at the top of the food chain. And if you keep them uh, producing as much as they can, then that helps everybody else. T- tough questions all, all around. And I want to, in the second part of the show, get to some comments we got about this discussion that we had earlier. Just just uh, uh, fascinating stuff and obviously no easy answers because if there were, then uh, somebody would have found them. I want to ask you quickly, Ben, uh, another airline is going to be a thing of the past here in the U.S., ExpressJet, not a household name, a regional airline that everybody, well, many people in the industry know, uh, because it was, especially at one time, a rather sizable regional airline, started as Continental Express, then there was an IPO, became independent, at what time was flying even under its own brand. You could take a uh, a flight from, I think it was like, you know, Jacksonville to San Antonio or something, flying some markets that nobody else was flying with 50 seat jets that didn't work. Uh, United owns a stake of it now, has been flying for United. And with everything shrinking, basically, this is the end of the road for ExpressJet. Any thoughts about that and what we're seeing in the regional industry? Again, when I say regional, I'm talking about airlines that are basically flying under contract in most cases in, in America. And elsewhere in the world in some cases for the mainline airline brands that everybody knows? Well, it is a sad thing. You know, Seth, I, I teach this class and you introduced me as teaches about airlines now, right? <laughs> and I yeah. teach this class at George Mason and I had my first class for the fall 2020 last night. And I talked about the structure of the industry today. And I talked about there being four huge carriers in American United Delta and Southwest and these ULCCs and these hybrid carriers. And then I said, and then there's these regional carriers. And somebody said, regional carriers, what are they? And I realized that these students like started, didn't get that. I said, well, when you fly American Eagle or Delta Connection or something like that, the plane may look mostly like a Delta or American airplane and your ticket may say Delta and American, but the airline flying you is actually a different airline. And it's called Mesa or it's called SkyWest or ExpressJet or one of these. Republic, and it's, yeah. you know, they're partnerships. And they said, and my students were surprised at that. And I realized that it's so common in the airline industry to know that's the structure that it isn't really common. And yet these are real companies with real employees and real airplanes. And the government watches over them in terms of their safety and their pilot training and their maintenance, just like the big guys. So they're in every way... You know, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. They're an airline in every sense of the word. And yet when the big airlines don't fly as much, they don't need to fly as much as either. They don't need to fly as much either. And that's why you have, you're going to see reductions and maybe ultimately failures in that sector of the industry as well. Ben, time next for listener comments, questions, and corrections. And uh, I do mean corrections today, Pearl. (laughs) Yes, you do. But first, we want to thank Clear for supporting the show. Travel with confidence with Clear. Touchless, fast, safer airport travel. Clear's touchless identity verification is available in 34 airports nationwide, moving you quickly without crowds through airport security. Enroll today at www.clearme.com slash airlines. That's www.clearme.com slash airlines. 
to the mailbag now. A correction from Dan in Washington, D.C. Dan says, Ben and Seth, uh, please allow me to make a technical correction to your podcast discussion about traveling with a disability in the age of COVID. The ADA, Americans with Disability Act, does not cover air travel. It does cover the airport and terminal, but not the airplane or the actual travel. So it isn't the proper legal citation for allowances to onboard mask wearing. You might remember last week a, a, a listener had contacted us uh, citing the ADA as, as, as a reason why airlines shouldn't be able to do, uh, shouldn't be able to keep kick somebody off the plane for not wearing a mask if they had autism spectrum disorder and that sort of thing. Uh, back to uh, uh, Dan. Now, the proper legal citation is the Air Carrier Access Act. The ACAA isn't a new thing. It's been around since my airline days, which sadly were close to 20 years ago. I have no idea what it says about or how it applies to mask wearing in the age of COVID, but I just want to clarify that the ADA is not the proper citation for onboard disability accommodation. Uh, Dan, thank you very much. And and uh, that's true that there are different regulations in different realms when it comes to uh, accommodating people with disabilities. I know with, with construction, for example, when we were doing a renovation in our house, we wanted to make it accessible for friends and family who who have certain needs, uh, but it's not ADA compliant. That's something that provide uh, that 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 applies to generally to commercial businesses. But it does follow something that's called universal design principles, meaning grab bars in one shower in the house so that people can can use that. And so there are these different realms in the world, uh, not just the ADA in terms of taking care of people. And so, uh, Dan, we thank you for that. And now a correction to a correction. Uh, you might remember Ben said something a few weeks ago that was that wasn't true. I mean, he, uh, well, he, he wasn't lying, but he, anyway, he made, he made a mistake and I and I and I uh, and I corrected him and I said, I felt like the guy in the show, pardon the interruption, who at the end comes on and says uh, and, and corrects Tony and Mike, Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon, when they've made mistakes and now he has his own show. I said, I said, I think uh, his, you know, he's reality. I think Mike reality. John from Dallas says Mike reality thought his name was Tony, though you were talking about Mike Wilbon. So I see how you <laughs> slipped there. And yes, not to, well, to belabor this, because that's what I'm doing here, right? So I can't say not to belabor it. Uh, I think I knew that his name was the same as one of the hosts, right? So it's Tony and Mike are the hosts. Yes, Tony Reality, not Mike Reality. Tony, Tony Kornheiser, Mike Reality, and no, sorry, Tony Kornheiser, Mike Wilbon, and Tony Reality. <laughs> Even in the correction. Now I'm going to get another email about how I can't get any of this straight. Well, up next. Some serious primary source journalism. No, I'm kidding. We're going to quote somebody quoting somebody quoting somebody about something else. But it's surprisingly interesting. Airlines Confidential will be right back. Hotel Connections is the global leader in crew logistics and accommodations. Visit hotelconnections.com. That's hotelconnections.com. The Airlines Confidential podcast is now available on Apple, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. Use your favorite podcasting app with just one click at airlinesconfidential.com. With Ben Baldanza, I'm Seth Kaplan. This is Airlines Confidential. Time now for another question. Jack 
from San Francisco writes, the conversations around airline bailouts are very interesting. There are arguments to, to be made on each side. Recently, Ben penned a piece in Forbes for bailouts. Some of the same arguments been made earlier in this show. Uh, several people, including Brian Summers of Skift and Gary Leff of View from the Wing, have argued against it. What is Ben's take on Gary's article around Ben's piece? Again, here we are quoting uh, Jack, quoting Gary, who is quoting Ben, who is giving some thoughts, including thoughts that other people have too. Uh, okay, so uh, some interesting takes. And here, this, this now is Jack quoting Gary. Baldanza wants you to believe that payroll support is a free ride because these employees would be eligible for unemployment insurance anyway, but paying a pilot $200,000 is different than paying that pilot $500 a week plus any additional federal money, whether it's $300, $400, or $600. Still, Baldanza's claim that uh, providing aid to keep employees current has not resulted in airline equity values increasing is silly. We see, we've seen shares jump on word that additional government funds may be coming. And second, without the infusion of government cash, airlines would be in worse shape and their equity would be worth less. And I have to say, Ben, uh, Gary actually, Gary and I were speaking offline at one point during the past week, and, and he took issue with um with, with something I said. You know, I, I, I sort of made the point that it was kind of a pass-through, that maybe the question of whether they get aid or not, although it's very important to employees, is less important to airlines because they'll either take the money and give it to the employees and keep more people employed, or they'll just furlough more people. And Gary said, and this different people have different thoughts about the, the math here, but he said that the money more than does that, that they wouldn't be fighting so hard for the money if all it did was was go straight uh, to the employees. And then there is the point, and this is true, that if they were to get the same amount of money again, that covers a lot more than it did the first time because you've had all these voluntary outs. Like we said before, American Airlines, you know, all these people have, have agreed to lose more than 20,000 people have agreed to leave either permanently or voluntarily, at least sort of for the period when the next bunch of aid will happen. So $25 billion now, more of it would go, uh, Gary's saying, into the pockets of companies like American than would have than was the f case the first time around when all of the voluntary outs hadn't yet happened. Ben, you say... Well, I say that I like Brian and Gary a lot. And generally, I, I do read their stuff. And most of the time, I agree with them. And they, they're making some good points here. But I'm going to stick by my view because I think that they are missing a couple of big points. First of all, I went back and read my Forbes piece that he responded to. And I never really said that it's the same, what they get paid through the CARES Act would be the same as if they went on unemployment insurance. What I said is not all that money is incremental spend. Because, right, because some, some, of, of, it some would, of it would have. Right, some of it would be. So it's not every dollar that's paid through the CARES Act is not a dollar of new taxpayer spend because they would have spent some portion of that dollar, even though maybe it's a smaller portion on unemployment insurance. And that's the point that I made. And I think that's still right. Also, I made the point, which, which Gary didn't mention, that even employees who get paid this way, they're not getting the same pay as if the airline were flying a lot. They're paid at very minimum rates and things like that. And I can tell you, everyone who works for an airline would much rather be flying the airplanes and fixing the airplanes and servicing the airplanes than not flying and getting CARES Act money. 
not going to be a lot of profit sharing this year. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And the second thing is I'm going to use an analogy that I used on a much earlier podcast. There's this old Albert Brooks movie where he's an advertising executive and he quits his job and he and his wife, played by Julie Haggerty, go to Las Vegas and start this new life. And she loses all their money on the first night in Las Vegas. And he gets a call from his room where he's sleeping and they say, you need to come down. Your wife's in trouble. You know, and she's at the roulette table and he sees her and the first spin he sees of the roulette wheel, she wins something and he feels great. And he says, are we up? And she says, we're still down. We're still down. <laughs> and, and, and it's a very funny scene, but that's what's happening in the airline industry. And saying that airline equities have increased because CARES Act money was paid is not helping investors. And that's silly. That statement is silly. Airline equities are trashed and investors in the industry have lost billions of dollars. And I'm not crying for them. I'm not saying they should be bailed out. I'm not saying anything like that. But the reason that airline shares move up and down right now is based on anecdotal things of whether a, a quarantine rule starts or ended and the airline equities move up or down a little. Or an announcement comes out about maybe there's a vaccine and they and the stocks move up a bit or that vaccine didn't work and they move down a little bit. And so there are random up and down movements. But if you look at the stocks of American, United, Delta, Southwest, JetBlue, Alaska, Spirit, all of them, they are trading at incredibly lower multiples than they were before COVID. And they should be because the value of their businesses is uncertain right now, knowing demand. And to say that somehow this money that would be paying for employees is actually helping investors because it's keeping the stock price up, the data just do not support that statement at all. Well, no matter what Brian and Carrie think about what you just said, I'm sure they appreciate that we've just spent the last several minutes talking about them because people are probably jumping online to read what they <laughs> I know. <laughs> Brian Summers of Skift, Gary of You from the Wing, if you want to go find it, they both do a great job. Uh, well, do you have a question for us or a complaint or a comment or a correction, any of it, you can call us at 305-379-7429 and record a question. We'll play it on the air. You can email us, questions at airlinesconfidential.com, or you can jump on the airlinesconfidential.com website. Fine or wine is next, but first we want to thank Seabury Capital Group. Seabury Capital is a specialty finance and investment banking firm, boasting a 25-year track record of advising key clients in aviation, aerospace and defense, maritime, financial services, and technologies. Their award-winning and widely respected team has superior industry knowledge, along with state-of-the-art analysis, technology, and solutions, as well as an unmatched depth of relationships with decision-makers in industry, finance, and government. And we all know how important that is. Explore their global reach and scale at seaburycapital.com. That's seabury, S-E-A-B-U-R-Y, capital.com. Beginning our initial descent on today's show, it is time for fine or wine. We listen to an actual customer complaint, and then we talk about whether a complaint is fine or if they're just whining. Ben, you have a complaint. Yes, I do, Seth. Susan of Las Vegas writes, My son had a flight from Las Vegas to Australia today. He had many articles to take with him that we had purchased for his family and needed to take four suitcases. I called United, and they told me that two suitcases would be free, a cost of $45 for the third and $55 for the fourth. 
I confirmed with the gentleman on the phone because I thought I misheard them. The last thing that I said to him was, so it will be $90 for all four. And he said I was correct. And I see how she got that if she thought he said 45 and 55. Right, two for free, free, 45 for Sounds like it would be a hundred, right? But anyway, uh, well, yeah, that's right. Forty-five and fifty-five is a hundred. Anyway, right. but she said ninety. Okay. He said ninety. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Maybe thirty. Well, my son got to the airport, and the man checked him in, told him it would be a total of four hundred dollars for the two extra bags, two hundred dollars each. When my son asked the gentleman what would happen if he didn't have the extra money, the man said he could take two bags with him, and he could leave the other two there with them. This is absolutely unacceptable and is just one more reason that I do not ever and will never fly United Airlines. Oh, poor United. Well, maybe not poor I United. Know. It feels like they're just in this section all the time. Anyway, but so Ben, fine or why? Okay, I think this is, I'm going to go with the customer on this one. I think the customer is right on this one. They were told that the two bags would be free and I have a, an intuition is about why this happened, Seth. Okay. And maybe someone United who works for United just say, Ben's wrong again, and we'll get another correction. But, <laughs> but my intuition is, now United does not fly nonstop from Las Vegas to Australia. <laughs> okay. As much as I'm sure Australians would love a nonstop yeah. flight to Vegas, right? I have but, a feeling I know where you're going, and this is I, kind of my guess yes, too. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And so yeah. on the international trip, I bet United gives the two bags free, the first two bags free and charges for three and four. But on the domestic trip from Las Vegas to Los Angeles, probably, or maybe San Francisco, however he was going to Australia, my guess is they don't give the two bags for free and they charge a lot for the first, a lot for the second, and a ridiculous amount for the third and fourth. And I bet the Las Vegas agent was thinking that they needed to charge him like a domestic customer. But the person who on the phone knew he was taking an international trip, so applied the international baggage rules. And I bet that most people at United who are in the decision-making world would have supported the agent quoting the international rules for that flight to Australia. So I think the customer was right. I think the agent in Vegas applied the wrong rules. That's just my guess. And he shouldn't have had to pay the $400. He should have had to pay the $100, the 45 for the third and 55 for the fourth. Do you think I'm misguided here, Seth? No, I mean, I think what's clear is that whatever whatever the customer is told is, is what should have happened yep. as long as the agent had all the information, which apparently this was somebody looking at the itinerary. It, was, it doesn't sound like they just sort of called and said, what does a bag cost? And if that's the case, then bottom line, whatever they were told is what they should have gotten. Yeah, I've been trying to piece together what it is. You know, an overweight bag to Australia is 200 bucks, uh, but she doesn't indicate that there was anything like that involved. So just going off what she said, you know, without knowing, and there could be another side to the story from the airline. No, I, I would agree too, uh, that, that, that failing that, unless it was like overweight or something that the person on the phone couldn't have known and that she's not telling us, it, it does indeed sound like uh, like it was fine. Uh, I, I agree. Go with the customer on this one. Yeah. Well, on final approach now, that does it for Airlines Confidential this week. Please fasten your seatbelts and ensure your seatbacks and tray tables are in their upright and locked position. And remember, we'd love to hear your questions at 305-729-7429 or you can email us questions at airlinesconfidential.com or jump on the airlinesconfidential.com website. From the Airlines Confidential Studios, I'm Seth Kaplan. Thank you to all of our sponsors and our listeners. Keep sending in those questions and corrections. Yeah. I'm Ben Baldanza. Talk to you soon.
This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.